Hello guys, uh, welcome to today's podcast. We are uh, super excited about having you guys here on the podcast uh, this uh, afternoon, this evening, this morning, whatever time of the day you're listening to this podcast. It's very important that uh, uh, you listen to what we have to say today because it's, we're actually covering still the Eucharistic revival. Uh, we have um, Luis uh, Benavides with us today and Fred Casillas as well too uh, to be talking about the Eucharistic revival. Luis is going to be giving us a little bit of some witnessing and testimony on what it is that, uh, how the Eucharist has really made a tremendous and drastic impact in his life um, and also talk about some of the uh, the mishaps you know the uh, sometimes uh, when we uh, the issues with uh, maybe having issues in believing that the Eucharist, Eucharist is real. Some of us go through those trials and tribulations of really uh, putting our, wrapping our mind around the Eucharistic celebration that how is this truly the presence and body of Christ? How is this truly God incarnate right here in front of us? And Luis is going to kind of help us also clarify that a little bit today. Uh, Fred, uh, before we get started, I know we usually start with prayer. Do you want to lead us in some prayer? Yeah, me too. Thank you, everybody, for being here. Louis, thank you for being here. Well, Alex, thank you. thank you for your skills. As usual, we want to bring in the Holy Spirit and get him in this wonderful game. And we're going to start with the sign of the cross. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. amen. And, of course, we're invoking the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life. We say, come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful, and kindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, and they shall be created and you shall renew the face of the earth. Let us pray. O God, by the light of the Holy Spirit, you have taught the hearts of your faithful. In the same spirit, help us to know what is truly right and always rejoice in your consolation. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and and of the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. Awesome. So, uh, Fred, I know we've been uh, covering, we had a presentation not too long ago that uh, uploaded about the Eucharistic Revival. That's still available online. Uh, So in the podcast player or wherever you're listening, uh, you can always go back to the first episode of the podcast to listen to that presentation. Um, And then also too, we have, uh, we're going to be uploading uh, very soon um, as well too, uh, some more uh, podcasts and testimonies of the Eucharistic Revival. Uh, But Luis is definitely one of the individuals we're going to be talking to today. Uh, and uh, to get dig right into it, I guess we're going to start off first off with the question is, Luis, uh, you want to introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit. We know you're a parishioner here at St. John the Evangelist. Um, and since this is a parish uh, podcast, I definitely want to give you uh, give you an opportunity to introduce yourself to the folks on the podcast. Okay. Well, uh, I've been a member of the parish for about 25 years. Um, and before that, I was at, uh, at St. James on the south side for about I guess 15 years, and then uh, Our Lady Guadalupe and Halotis when I first moved back to San Antonio for a few years. Uh, and then uh, I've always been a member of a parish. Uh, even when I'm traveling, um, I, I would find myself in Milwaukee for uh, four to six weeks, and I would find, and one of the things I did first was find me a church. Yeah. Uh, so I could go to either daily mass, or for sure Sunday mass. Um, and so religion has always been, a, 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 or the church has always been a, a big part of me. Uh, I went to Catholic school, and I guess the nuns did their job correctly. <laughs> um, you know, the um, uh, my family was not a real strong uh, attendance of church. Okay. Uh, yeah, we went uh, Easter. We went the midnight mass at Christmas. Uh, you know, special occasions. So your traditional 
Yeah, they were they were just there. Okay, uh, okay. And but I found myself, um, I guess, middle school, um, going to church on my own. Huh. And so I get on my bike and I go to at that point the the nearest church was our Lady Good Council on General McMullen, and I ride my bike across uh, oh. General McMullen Casterville Road and uh, go to go to mass. Wow. And and go there. And so I went by myself. That's that's amazing. So I mean. Um, obviously it's a vocational calling, right? We know that when God calls us, he calls us in at different times of our life, different ages in, in our life. And uh, we know that God obviously being universal and timeless, uh, we know that for a fact that when um, we are being called to, to attend the mass, we know the Eucharist is present in the Holy Mass. Uh, but before we dig into a little bit of the Eucharistic celebration, um, I, you, you have kids, you're married now, you have family. Yes, I, okay. have, uh, I have a blended family. We, have, uh, we had six kids. Uh, uh, one of our daughters and our granddaughter was, were murdered uh, a few mm-hmm. years ago. I'm sorry. Uh, so we're with five. And wow. so uh, the three of mine, uh, I have two boys and a girl. Okay. Uh, uh, one, the oldest boy uh, is uh, a religious uh, in California. He's a Jesuit. That's awesome. Um, and then uh, my daughter and my son. And then we have a daughter up in Bu- uh, Buffalo, New York, and one here in San Antonio. So we can see that the bike rides to uh, go into daily, to go into mass on a frequent basis, played a big impact in your family life. Well, I think singing loud <laughs> at mass. Uh, you know, it, I either embarrassed them or they joined in. Oh, well, that's so, great. That yeah. was that was one of the two things. They That's had great. Two options. That's awesome. So, so with all this being said, I mean, we have you, you're you're talking. You talk about your beautiful family, being also being a blended family. Um, we know that we live in a uh, a, a culture uh, with many people who come from blended families, right? Um, and especially uh, the Eucharist being the center of our of our of our family. Um, I mean, how how do you navigate uh, through things? Uh, um, such as whether it's a blended, blended family uh, or issues or topics um, in today's uh, culture, society. Um, and how does the Eucharist play a role in that for you? Well, for me, it's, 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 you got to keep it in, in, as part of the conversation. Uh-huh. Uh, you can't be embarrassed not to talk about it. Uh, I have uh, uh, different uh, phone, uh, uh, what do you call those things, when you contact everybody on text. Yeah. Uh, and so I have one with, with um, my grandmother's, on my mother's side, maternal grandmother's family. Uh-huh. And we extend all the way to California. I mean, um, and so, um, of course, there's only 20 people there. But yeah. we, we say a daily prayer. That's awesome. Uh, we do have two priests on that, on that link. Okay. Uh, and so that are cousins or my son and, my, and one of my cousins. And so, um, and so we say a daily prayer and we have all sorts of stuff that we talk about that. On the other side of my uh, personal family, uh, we have one, and um, and I remind them to go to mass on Sunday. I remind them to um, uh, to say prayers. Uh, we um, and we just talk about different things. Uh, I know that uh, my son says that he's he's happy to see that I'm leading the family spiritually from from that, yeah. that phone link. Yeah, and so and I and I just try to do. They got to have communication. Uh, if they don't call me, I send them a text. Gotcha. You know, okay. and it just goes out to everybody, and hopefully they read them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. That's that's always that's always the important thing because there's some people that have a tendency get a text, they see it, and they forget that even got the text, and they forget to respond. But I think I think we live in again in in a in a culture that is, and we live in a kind of chaotic time, don't we? I mean, we're living in yeah. a time where. Um, 
the Eucharist, many people are beginning to just lose absolute faith that the presence of God is truly in the Eucharist. Why, why do you think that's happening? Is that, uh, I mean, and this is a podcast where you can speak freely, uh, whether you yeah. think it's a catechesis issue within the home, is it a, is it a catechesis within the CCD class? I mean, your personal, more, more of your personal opinion, we're kind of pulling away from the, what church says about it, but I want to know what your opinion is on well, that. Well, I, I think it's, it's, it's all of those. Okay. Um, uh, we, uh, we're embarrassed to talk about our faith, mm-hmm. a lot of us, mm-hmm. a lot of people. Uh, we have less and less participation at church. Uh, we have less participation with CCD. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I see it as an educator. Uh, 20 years ago, I would have said that about 60% of my kids attended church. Uh-huh. Uh, today, I'm going to say it's around 10%. Wow. You know, and so uh, and so you're going to start losing that. And when you start losing the teaching of the foundation, then you start getting uh, people making up their own interpretation Mm -hmm. and and their own beliefs. Yeah. And and they don't see if they don't see the people around them taking it serious. Correct. Then you start to see, well, then, you know, it's maybe just symbolism. Yeah. You know, instead of it's a truth. Yeah. You know, it's the major mystery of the Catholic Church. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and so, uh, but if they're not around that, then they, they lose that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and I think um, I think one of the biggest things that uh, we encounter on a daily basis is sometimes we experience our own family members, whether um, you come from, whether it's our own son, our own daughter, uh, maybe a nephew, a niece, uh, people that we experience personally, right? Uh, people that we've, maybe a close friend that we've seen that's gone to church frequently, all of a sudden just falls off, yeah. uh, you know, the, the faith and they just doesn't believe in anything. And so now they're just saying, I'm spiritual uh, and I want to live a spiritual life. I mean, what would be, I mean, what's your response to something like that where you're, you're encountering, I want to start from the inner circle kind of out before we get out to friends. Uh, so if coming from the inner circle, your, your most immediate family, how, how do you respond to issues like that? And how can you help others navigate uh, to, to try to reel them back into this, this uh, well, belief in the Eucharist? When, when I, uh, I, tr- I try to say, hey, we're going to meet you at, at your church for mm-hmm. mass. Okay. And they're not even planning on going, right? Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, it's a difficult situation mm-hmm. uh, because uh, it involves my grandkids. No. You know, and so my it's grandkids yeah. are not getting the, the foundation that they need yeah. uh, for, their, for their future yeah. uh, as, as Catholics. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, I just, uh, I see my, I see my family where, uh, I have one, one, uh, daughter whose husband, uh, is really not Catholic. Okay. He, um, he's another religion. Okay. And so he wants to go to the one he grew up with. Gotcha. And so she's in the struggle of going to the Catholic church, going to Catholic mass. Correct. Or, or going uh, to his church. And mm-hmm. so she's trying to uh, go on both sides. Gotcha. And I, I don't think that's successful. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. On the other side, you got one that the, the spouse, again, does not believe. She grew up as a, as a, as a Protestant. Okay. And it's anti-Catholic, mm-hmm. right? And so uh, she, she struggles with going to the Catholic church, and she pulls my son away, mm-hmm. and then uh, the kids don't go. Gotcha. And so, uh, and that's, that creates a problem without trying to get everybody upset. Yeah. You know, and so you, you keep pushing, mm-hmm. you keep pushing and you keep pushing, mm-hmm. but you try to do it in a way that, that, uh, there's a reason to go mm-hmm. and not just to say, Hey, you're not, not to get on their case. Correct. And, uh, but they, they start to feel the pressure. I can tell when I bring it up, they, 
their hair stands up. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And so, um, uh, but you know what? You got to keep bringing it up. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, especially with loved ones i mean yeah. i think i think so too often we kind of go easy on our on the inner circle um and especially if uh you're involved in ministry and you're talking to others outside of your family we have i think have a tendency of trying to be a little bit more we want to be a little bit more gentle right with our own family because we don't want to push them away um uh, I know uh, Fred has grandchildren as well, too, that struggle with different things in their life. Um, and that's not for me to say. That's for him to say on his own accord. Um, and I guess, uh, Fred, I mean, did you have anything that you could, yeah. you could think of that come to mind? Yeah, happy to. All right. um, what I do is I try to measure where where uh, my children are in their journey. Mm-hmm. I, it's, a, it's always a journey, you know, because I'm on that same journey, the Correct. same goal. And uh, some are more receptive. Uh, and I try to feed them, you know, to draw a term out of the Bible, feed, feed them, feed them mm-hmm. what little bit they need to, well, to free keep them, them too, going. Because the Bible's freeing, right? Yeah. I mean, the scripture frees us. Free so. feed. <laughs> and uh, uh, some are really deep into the faith, the yeah. Catholic faith, okay. and some are not. And, uh, and so I work with the ones that are deeper into the faith and with them, I can chat more. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, rather than being theological, I can still be theological and more. Uh, how would you say down to earth chat with them? Yeah, and some of them are really deeply into the faith, and their partners or uh, or husbands and whatnot are are deep into the Catholic faith. Okay, so that makes it easier. Yeah, but as uh, Lewis was stating earlier about the other portions of the family that are not into any faith, well, those children are not going to have any kind of catechesis, any kind of faith, and yeah. you know I'm worried about the ultimate end because as Catholics. You know, we believe our soul is going to end up oh, somewhere. Yeah. You know, we're going to, we're at, you know, death, judgment, heaven or hell. Yeah. And I'd really like to see my whole family up in heaven with grandpa or great grandpa as I am <laughs> up there with them. Yeah. Uh, but it, it is a battle. And even amongst our Catholic peers, you know, how often when we go, I, you know, I member of different groups. Yeah. You rarely hear any conversation about the Eucharist. Yeah, I mean nothing, absolutely. zero nada, yeah, and right uh, that's a shame because uh, I think we're supposed to be grounded in the Eucharist mm-hmm. because uh, after all, that's that's the plan. That's where we're going to go. Yeah, and I think ultimately, I mean, I think the ministries and our parishes are great. The parish life is amazing, but what's the central focus of why we're doing the things in the parish, right? Um, and I, I and I feel that a lot of people have focused so much on the ministerial attribute of going out and evangelizing that they don't realize that there's a central union of where we draw our source of energy and power from, right? right. Because we can't do it on our own. That's we, right. We need Christ. And we need the Holy Spirit. We need God, we need the Holy Trinity as a whole to really kind of push us forward. Oftentimes, um, it's the man or woman sitting to your left or right or yeah. in front of you and back of you. That's where, yeah. to me, catechesis and evangelization starts as those people sitting right next to you yeah absolutely. don't be afraid to say the name of jesus or yeah, the holy spirit absolutely because that's a great thing and, and i think and i think one of the, the biggest things is we're talking about the eucharistic revival um you, you draw a very good point from evangelization right so um because we, we take holy communion and we're in union with our father in heaven when we come communion is to commune with him right to be in in union with god himself um, that we take that out to our family, that we take God out for those who not, are not able to receive communion, but we, to be that light. So I guess my question for, uh, for Lu- Luis uh, is, um, is 
we know that the central focus of a lot of ministries are focused on the evangelization portion of it. Um, Why do you think a lot of ministries, especially in our parish, don't really focus in on the Holy Eucharist? Um, Especially right now, since we're in the Eucharistic revival, why do you think that is? Well, I I think there's a a lack of uh, remembrance. Okay. That uh, when you take the the host. Okay. All right. When you take the host, it becomes the it's the body of Christ. Yeah. And when, and, it, and his body joins your body. Yeah. You and him are in union. That's real beautiful. Okay. Yeah. And and so uh, and that's where Catholicism comes in. Yeah. Because as, as a Catholic, yeah. we we are all taking communion. Mm-hmm. We are all becoming a part of 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 Jesus Christ. Yeah. And so that's doesn't matter. Make sure if, if that person in Ukraine or uh, in in South America, when they take communion, yeah. we are all of us are joining, joining in, together, in the yeah. body of Christ. Yeah. And so that's why we're a Catholic Catholicism. Yeah. And so uh, I don't think they understand that. Yeah. You know, it's it's not just you're here. It's you and the in that host. Mm-hmm. It it's we. All of us. The mystical body, right? The yeah. mystical the body mystical of Christ. Body. Yeah. We all, when we take that host and it, it becomes part of us, we become part of Jesus. I was um, watching a, a Zoom podcast, I guess you call it. I don't <laughs> yeah. know the technology. <laughs> and it was by an individual uh, that does the uh, archdiocesan training okay. for our priests okay. at uh, the seminaries. Okay. And... Uh, she was saying that uh, frequently because, and, and I'm, and I do the same thing, and I do the same thing. I'm guilty, yeah, yeah. I'm guilty of that too. And yeah. I think as part of our reverence, as part of my reverence within yeah. my mind, I'm yeah. bowing my head when the priest raises the host after it has been confected and raises the chalice that has the precious blood after it's been confected, transubstantiated, in other words. Mm-hmm. And I bow my head in reverence, and and all everybody around me, I think, almost does. Yeah. But what this lady was saying, it says that's really not liturgical. The proper thing is do what the deacons are doing. Yeah. And I remember that, yeah, our deacons, when that is being done at Mass and they raise the consecrated host, they look at the host and they look at the the chalice with the uh, consecrated precious blood. Correct. And, uh, and I said, yeah, that makes sense. And I watched both our deacons, and they do the same thing. They look at the host, they look at the chalice. Yeah. And she was saying all the other things like holding hands during, uh, during the Our Father it's very special. It's very warm, but it's not liturgical. It's not part of the the mass. The, the liturgy, the major liturgy, is mm-hmm. our mass, our big beautiful prayer that we have. Correct. So I'm trying to learn that. Yeah. I'm trying to do less of the motions and more of the involvement with the sacrifice at the table, which mm-hmm. is the the altar. Uh, that's where our focus should be, because uh, it's all happening right there. The sacrifice is actually happening as a memorial on the table. And so I'm starting to change what I've done for decades. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I'm starting to look at the consecrated host and the, and the wine and realize that God is there for me to look at. And if again, if you look at the deacons, at least in our parish, yeah, they gaze at the body and they gaze at the blood. So uh, that was interesting. Huh. And I've heard it before in other Catholic broadcasts. Correct, yeah. That, you know, it's all warm and reverent and lovely. Yeah but it's not the liturgical, recommended liturgical process. And you can put that in quotes because we, yeah. all, we all have a little different way, but I'm trying to get more in whatever the, the proper technique is, I guess you could Correct. say. So it, it's, it's, a, it's, it's you're there for 
Christ, right? It's, right. It's, it's kind of funny because I, I, uh, in mass, I kind of pulled Antonio aside because he was crying during mass uh, while altar serving, and I pulled him aside. The first thing I said, "You're not here for your brother or your sister. So if they're talking to you and telling you stuff, you're here for Jesus. Right. That's the reason why you're here." I go, even me, me pulling you aside. I, I should be pulling you aside because you're not here for me. You're here for Christ. This is your moment, your intimate moment. So it makes sense why we, our eyes should be on him, fixated right. on him. Yes. Why we shouldn't be holding hands. It's not that we don't love our family. Right. It's that this is my worship and my moment with God. This is, as Christians would like to call an altar call, right? We have the true altar call, correct? Yeah. In our Catholic faith. It's the ultimate altar call. You right. can't get any better than this, right? Yeah. It's the moment of transformation that we all not just experience before our eyes, but we experience within our hearts. And I know sometimes we feel like the communion line for, for some might feel like a cafeteria line where you're just kind of lined up and I'm receiving a host. Um, and I think yeah. there's that misunderstanding that you're not, li- you're not in line to receive just food. You're in line to receive healing you're in line to receive spiritual nourishment god it's gonna last there right? to consume god in, in fact mm-hmm. when when i talk to the kids mm-hmm. if i see their family's not going to communion i'll ask the parents can i take him with me to that's to, beautiful yeah to the communion and then as we're going up the line i i'll say hey remember i told you that uh, that he turned the bread and wine into the blood you know into the body and blood of christ mm-hmm. so so uh you are not you have not received first communion right and, uh, and, and the mm. normally they'll say no, okay. you know, and I said, okay, so I want you to put your hands and you, but you're going to receive a blessing. You're going to receive a blessing from whoever's giving the, distributing the communion, the communion mm-hmm. to, uh, and it's going to be the Holy spirit. Yeah. And, and that will be with you. And yeah. so that you can be more like Christ. That's awesome. You know? And so, and I'll take them and bring them back. Uh, and the parents are like, you know, and basically they saw that he did not receive communion, but he still they, received the but blessing. He, but he still received the blessing. He still yeah. went up there to acknowledge that Jesus is there. It's like the way you acknowledge yeah. a king, right? You step up before the king, you, you know. And yeah. so I, I, I try to uh, hopefully not only am I working with the young kid, but I'm also trying to evangelize to the parent because you're evangelizing in church. Yeah, you know, uh, and, and they're and, there. And the way to the heart of a parent is through a child. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and so I just wanted to read. Go for it. Uh, the uh, the reading for First Corinthians ten sixteen seventeen absolutely and uh, and it's it's the reading of the first letter of Saint Paul to the Corinthians and it okay. says brothers and sisters, the cup of blessing that we bless, it is not a participation in the blood of Christ, the bread that we break is not a participation in the body of Christ, mm-hmm. because the loaf of bread is one, we though many are one body, for we are all partakers of the one loaf. And that's one loaf throughout the world. Yeah. It's not just at that. It's not literally a loaf there at the table. Correct. It's the loaf of the body of Christ, the spirit that goes all the way around the universe. Yeah. Okay. Because it's not, our religion is not just limited to the earth. It's the entire universe. Mm. And so it's, that's the body, that's the loaf. It's the entire belief. That's the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. And that, that reading talks about Catholicism. Um, there are many of us that we receive the body of Christ in that sense, but we don't live the, the life 
of the gospel the way we should. We just consume communion and then kind of just walk out without realizing that the whole purpose of why we're receiving communion is to reflect Christ and that Christ is communion with us and that what Christ, what we should be doing is reflecting the actions of Christ in everything that we do. And so, which is why a lot of people will see certain Catholics as hypocritical or, or oh, that's not. And then in the same token too, we get Catholics within our own faith that receive communion that are maybe doing a community service who then in turn judge the Catholic that doesn't do that. Yeah. So then where you get me, so then yeah. you're in a situation where you're now, you're, it's very hard to walk that life with Christ, right? Because you kind of have to be very graceful and merciful and forgiving. Well, the, the thing is that to me, I see the, the church as a hospital. Mm-hmm. Okay. We're all sick. We're all sinners. Uh, we're not perfect. Uh, and so when somebody says you're, uh, uh, you know, hypocritical, I said, I- I'm a sinner. Jeez. Uh, if I was perfect, uh, I wouldn't need to go to the mm-hmm. hospital. I wouldn't need to go to church, mm-hmm. but I'm not. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, and it's a journey. Mm-hmm. It's a journey. I want to be in heaven. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it's not, uh, you know, a lot of people, uh, I have a brother who's a Baptist minister mm-hmm. and he says, well, once you are accepted, uh, once you're accepted, you know, you, you accept Jesus Christ, you're saved. Mm-hmm. And you can act with bias and be this and that hmm. uh, and hurt people. But because you've already made, committed your soul to Jesus Christ, no matter what you do, you're going to go to heaven. Mm-hmm. I said, I, I don't see that. Uh, I don't agree with that. Mm-hmm. I said, because then you're not making earth a better place to live in. Correct. You know, and uh, I, I don't accept that. Yeah. How can you accept that? I mean, he was raised a Catholic. Mm-hmm. And, and where do we miss the boat Correct. in teaching him that? Correct. Um, and then I guess, I guess uh, to um, um, Fred, I just kind of wanted to ask you a question in regards to uh, Eucharistic uh, revival is what are some of the things that you've learned when it comes to reflecting the body of Christ in, in today's world that the USCCB, that even the Pope, why is the revival so important um, as a part of our walk? And as a part of not just our walk, but uh, understanding it, why why do they find this very important for us? We've been we've been into the uh, Eucharistic renewal for a year now. As mm-hmm. a matter of fact, uh, the Feast of Corpus Christi marked uh, a year of into this journey. <clears throat> Excuse me. Mm-hmm. And it it started as we alluded to that a lot of people over half, unfortunately, uh, don't realize that we are taking the real body and blood of Christ. And so people have to know that they're missing a the uh, the a big big they're missing the heart of the faith, and it's just something that needs to be brought across and reiterated. We're lucky our priest here. I pay attention to that now since I've become a, the liaison officer with our archdiocese. Uh, Father Jean Baptiste hits it very hard in a subtle way. He's always mentioning the Eucharist. He has his way of uh, intertwining it into the homily. And I appreciate that, what he's doing. And hopefully people are understanding and listening and taking it to heart because it is the heart of our Catholic, uh, our Catholic faith is that it is the body and blood, soul, and divinity of Christ. And I can take us back to Holy Week. Uh, we just celebrated that, what, a month ago, a month and a half, Holy Week. Yeah. We have all the sacraments, Holy Thursday. You have the institution of the Eucharist. You have the institution of the priesthood. And then on Resurrection Sunday, we have the institution of uh, what else but this wonderful reconciliation sacrament. 
So we have three sacraments, not accidentally, I think, instituted within a three-day period. We have to take advantage of the sacraments. They are a way to get us into sac- sanctifying grace so that our souls can be worthy of having Christ come into them. Uh, it's always there. His grace is abundant. It never ends. But we metaphorically, we set up a roadblock to where it can't come into our souls. If we have it stained with mortal sin, it's a roadblock that can be overcome. And it's right there. Uh, Lewis said it earlier, you know, person after person lined up for the sacrament of reconciliation. And there's a reason for that. It's a, a big part of our faith. It's there. It's everywhere. I've seen it in all the other churches that I go to. Uh, on occasion, they go to confession. There are lines of people taking advantage of this wonderful sacrament of reconciliation. Uh, you know, back before when I was younger, I was uh, uh, embarrassed, uh, feeling bad. The priest was going to scold me. But as I've heard a hundred times before, uh, you're not going to. There's nothing new under the sun. That's what Ezekiel one something. Nothing new under the sun. The priest has heard a confessional and similar, if not identical to what you've got, maybe a thousand times. Well, that's a little bit, maybe hundreds of times before you get to him. So I just want to encourage the people out there, don't, don't let that be a, a, a detriment to your, to your going and receiving that wonderful sacrament. I try to go weekly. If I go two weeks without going to receive the sacrament, I'm cheating myself out of a, a grace. It's a great blessing. It's not something that, uh, 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 you know, murderers have to take uh, advantage of. The regular Joe or Jane in the pew, it's a sacrament. Go confess your sins. Get that extra cleansing that we all need. Uh, as Lewis said, we're sinners. I'm a sinner. I don't know anybody that's not. <laughs> take advantage of that and use that in conjunction with see, receiving Jesus, uh, uh, real body and blood again, soul and divinity. Mm-hmm. And we're on our way to salvation. It's you know, death, judgment, and heaven or hell. And we got to be on the right track. And Jesus made it so easy for us. He left everything there. We have priests. Thank God for that. Amen. Holy orders. They're there, and they, they dole out these sacraments freely through uh, per, in persona Christi, through Jesus Christ. All of this sanctifying grace is just there to flood us. Mm-hmm. We just got to... We got to get under that shower stall, so to speak, and turn that spigot to on, and just be bathed by sanctifying grace. So, Amen. We, it's upon us. We got to take advantage of it. Amen. And then, um, Luis, do you have anything you'd like to say before we wrap up the podcast um, that you'd like to add uh, to, yeah. to the conversation? Yeah. The 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 thing about one of the things about being Catholic is that uh, a lot. Of, I have friends. Uh, they go to go to mass and they want to receive Holy Communion. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they don't seem to understand that to receive Holy Communion, they have to be Catholic. Yeah. And, um, and so, um, because when you accept the host, when you accept the body of Christ, you're accepting the unity of all the Catholics around the world. Mm-hmm. And that we're, we're, you know, the spiritual body of Christ. And, and so um, it, it's, an important, it's an important center to our beliefs. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just, you know, communion is, is you're not whole mm-hmm. without that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, if, if I don't receive communion uh, and there's, I'm in, in the state of sin and, and I, I, it, it pushes me mm-hmm. to go to confession, to do what I need to do so I can start receiving communion again. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and where can uh, people find uh, well, the ministries that you're involved in? Uh, where can people of the parish locate your the ministries, whether it's Knights of Columbus? Are you involved with any other ministry besides Knights of Columbus? Uh, not really. Okay. Yeah. All right. So Knights of Columbus, if someone's interested in becoming a knight, uh, what do they need to do? What's the process? How does that, how does that work? Well, they, they, when do, they have to be Catholic. Okay. Okay. Cannot be a Catholic. If you're not Catholic, you can't be a knight. Okay. Uh, and you have to, uh, you know, be a, a, an active practicing Catholic. Okay. And you just uh, ask a member, uh, there's a form 100, uh, that goes to, um, to the priests, it okay. goes to the consul, uh, it's reviewed, and then you're accepted as, as a knight. And then you have to go to some of the ceremonies okay. uh, that goes that covers some of the history of the knights in, in the church, in the Catholic Church. Okay, awesome. And then, Fred, any ministries you're currently active or part of? Yes, very active in our altar society. Okay. Uh, I'm a sacristan for the 5 o'clock Mass. Awesome. Uh, I teach faith formation uh, during school on Fridays, mm-hmm. and I'm doing this ministry here. Awesome. So I'm re- retired. So rather than stay home and, and do nothing, I want to get in there and, and work for the Lord. Amen. And I love it. It's a challenge and it's uh, it's a wonderful part of my life. And uh, I really like it. Mm-hmm. If you want to join any of those things, you can just contact the office and volunteer. The Ultra Society is always looking for people that want to get involved. We awesome. uh, we, buy, we buy flowers. We clean the, the priest's garments. We clean the church. We uh, uh, do a multiple of social events to raise funds. And it's uh, it's a group of good uh, men and women mm-hmm. are members of the altar society, and we also need volunteers for faith formation to teach kids religion of all ages. Uh, if even if you may not be on top of your your Catholic uh, religious game, there's always first grade, second grade, and on up all the way to. Uh, uh, I think we're all the way up probably to sophomores and juniors and seniors in high school. So do you have to have a PhD to teach CCD? No, you don't. No, you don't. You just got to have the heart. <laughs> there you go. You got to have the sacred heart of Jesus. <laughs> and that, and that the Holy Spirit takes charge and he puts, he guides you in the right path. It's big, it's big stuff. And any of the information that you guys would like to learn about the uh, parish life and the ministries, uh, you can check out the website at St. John the Evangelists-sa.com. Com. Uh, you can check it out. Dot and, org. Uh, you can Isn't defi- dot org? Dot org. I'm sorry. Dot org. Dot org. Dot org. Uh, you can check that out and uh, you can uh, look on the website and get involved with some of the ministries uh, here at the parish. Uh, we have Teen Exodus um, that meets every Sunday at 5.30 p.m. here at Casa de Juan. So we'd love for you guys to get involved with the parish life to um, develop and build a strong intimate relationship with uh, Jesus himself um, and we can ask for anything more uh, this whole this whole thing and this whole relationship that we want to be able to experience in our Catholic faith that's what the parish life is all about being being in communion with each other with our with our God uh, with our Father in heaven uh, so that one day we can see each other in the kingdom of heaven right that's the whole idea that's the whole idea um, brother so did you want us to go ahead and lead us out in prayer real quick here yeah let's close with a prayer to uh, our blessed Virgin Mary to intercede for us in the name of the Father and the Son Holy Spirit Amen, amen. Hail Mary full of grace the Lord is with thee blessed art thou among women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you guys for listening to today's podcast. And we pray and hope that you continue listening. And uh, stay blessed. Stay awesome. And uh, keep praying for us that this podcast continues to grow. Um, and as well, too, that continue praying for our pastor here at the parish and the different ministries. 
Uh, have a good night, good evening, good morning, wherever you're at. God bless you. God bless you guys. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Amen.